my privilege to introduce Pastor Chris, Good News Own Pastor. She is a devoted wife, a loving wife. She has uh, two children that she is a devoted mother to and now a grandmother. Uh, she heads up our prayer and care ministry here, and it's her conception that brought this whole weekend about. She was a lead person. She con- conceived of it, made it happen, and we're experiencing it because of her efforts and the vision God gave her. And she is also soon to be ordained with the Assemblies of God. Amen. Amen. So, Pastor Chris. Thank you. Thank you. Pastor Mark is soon to be ordained as well. Interesting fact about both of us, we took our certified test, our t- uh, certified interview on the same day, licensing interview on the same day, and now our ordina- ordination interview on the same day. So who would have thought, huh? Anyway, well, several months ago when I began thinking about today and heaven, just the theme of heaven come, it was what would it be like for us to truly see heaven come to earth? And what would our role be like to bring heaven to earth? And Tommy, I'm glad you left your phone at home because what you were praying this morning was really where I'm going. I want to talk about lifestyle today. And I'm not just going to talk about prayer lifestyle. I'm going to talk about devoted lifestyle. So let's just invite, Holy Spirit's already here, but I probably could use a little extra prayer. So (laughs) Holy Spirit, we just... Just sweep over this place. Come in, come in power, come in glory, come in presence. Father, I pray that they wouldn't hear a word that I say this morning, but they would hear your voice. I pray each person would have such ears to hear what your spirit is speaking this morning. God, I ask for a release of heaven come kind of relationship, heaven come lifestyle relationship. Oh God, this morning, give, just give a revelation of that this morning. Father, we just bless you. We love you and we honor you this morning. Thank you. I'm humbled by this privilege to even pour out your word, even to break open your word this morning, Lord. God, I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I was going to just tell you a few things about myself first to start with. One of the things I believe that um, to have a heaven come lifestyle, we've got to make a drastic change in the way we live, right? I, we can't go on the way we live today and because and, we're not seeing the realities of heaven come to earth today. So we, there's, if we're not seeing, somebody said it yesterday and I've said it a million times, if you're doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, you're not going to get it. It's really the definition of insanity. It's like a, a, a squirrel chasing itself. It's chasing its tail. It's just going around and around. It's that swirl that Corey Russell talked about last night. But what um, we, we've got to make some changes and some things you guys probably don't know about me is when I was 20 years old, I'm going to really give away all my age, but I already said it yesterday. But when I was 20 years old, a week after I got married, I moved to Izmir, Turkey. My husband Clyde was in the military there and, um, I'd never been away from home, never flown. And I get on this airplane and go 6,000 miles away. Um, and I can really appreciate everyone that comes and lives in this country from another nation because of this experience that I had. And so So I fly to Izmir, Turkey, and um, like I said, Clyde was in the military. There was no base there. You know, 
off at Air Force Base down here, we're all familiar with it. It's got this big perimeter, everything's secured. Well, we didn't have that. We lived downtown Izmir, Turkey, and this was in the mid 80s. And um, so Turkey's different than here. They, um, they park on the sidewalks and walk in the streets and they have horses and carriages. And we didn't have a car and we didn't have a telephone and I didn't have TV and I didn't have radio. And so my life had to drastically change. I left my family. I left my, all of my friends because I love my husband. I made this change and I was really being very devoted to him. And I was going for 13 months. So, um, I don't, so you get on the airplane, you get there. A few details. My husband had, Clyde, this is him, and my beautiful granddaughter. She was trying to give me the Christmas uh, Paw Patrol pups. To, she wanted me to use that as my sermon notes this morning. So, but I chose not to. So you'll probably be, maybe that would be better. I don't know. So we, we um, you know, it's about a 30-hour flight to get there. And so Clyde left out a few details of turkey for me. He kept telling me about this penthouse apartment that he had rented for us. And it, you know, it was the penthouse and it was only $250 a month. And you know, everything was so cheap there and the food was so good there. And, um, so we get there and the, my first experience of turkeys, I get off the airplane, I'm walking down the steps and I'm, I'm walking. Next thing I look up and here's two single file lines of men with machine guns. I have to walk through to get into the airport. That was, that was a detail he shouldn't have left out. Um, and then I get in the airport and they take my suitcase and dump it out for everyone to see everything that was in there. Then I got body searched and then it's tip it's so culturally acceptable to stare in Turkey. And so, you know, after all this humiliation and fear, they would, I, I would, I walked in and they stared at me just like, I mean, they got like right in my face and stared at me just, just like this. And they were this close to me. 20 years old, never been away from home. This is the kind of culture I had to adapt to. Boom, like that. We, so we leave the airport and we get in this public transportation called a domush. It's really cheap. And uh, there was probably, it holds 10. There was probably 15 or 20 in there with our suitcases. It was about 8 o'clock at night, probably 95 degrees outside. And they don't wear deodorant in Turkey. Just to give you a little detail, you can fill in the blank there. So then we get to, we, we leave the airport, we get to Izmir, raining, we get into this cab, we get to our part, you know, we get to our apartment, Clyde gets in a fight with the um, cab driver because, because we were Americans, he thought we didn't know better, and so he, but he didn't know he'd already been there for a while, and so <laughs> he charged us way beyond what we should have been charged, so he's getting an argument with him, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is terrible, I mean, I'm already having this shell shock. I mean, I was so shocked at what I was seeing, but I just thought, okay, you know, this is not so bad. Climbed up 90 stairs to my apartment, no elevator. Um, walk in to see this, um, just in the entryway, dirty floor, peach colored wall with this gray dirt all over the walls and a radiator. I, I turned around, I looked at him and I said, I can't live here. I cannot live here. I am not willing to live here. I, I wasn't sure. We didn't have the money for me to get back home, but I was not going to live there. <laughs> and um, went to bed that night. I'm not sure I slept. I don't even remember now. Got up the next morning. Clyde said, you know what? Let's go out to the park. And that we got to this beautiful park. It was really amazing. 
Then he took me shopping. That was even better. Their shopping barter system, even though it's different than here, I got used to it. Barter system, you know, shopping was really good. You could buy really nice things for a really cheap price. I liked that. Liked the food. One of the things that I had to purpose myself to do was to change. That Turkish culture wasn't going to change to fit me. I had to change to fit it. The same way it is, I think you know where I'm going. Same way it is with the kingdom of heaven. It's not going to change for us. We've got to change to fit it. And the, and the greater the change that we make to fit the kingdom of heaven, the more we're going to see heaven come to earth. You know, I, I just went through the word and I've, man, there's so many things I could have shared on this morning. And, and I won't share my 20 pages of notes that I have. You'll be so glad that I don't. Um, so I, I, this morning, the Lord really just narrowed this down for me. And... Um, I think if there's one thing that we could really change about our, um, the way we live as believers, it would be our devotion. It would be our devotion. And devotion really is, just really means, and I kind of said it yesterday, is profound dedication. It's a profound dedication that brings a consecration and a sanctification. Those are words we really don't talk about anymore. But the God isn't returning for a bride that's full of, that's, um, full of spot and wrinkle. He's, he's returning for a bride that's pure and holy, dressed in white. And that's what consecration and sanctification bring. And so I just, um, probably, it may seem a little strange, a chapter here I'm going to read. I'm going to go to Luke chapter 7 this morning. And I'm going to start with verse 36. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I'm going to read this and then I'm just going to go back and we're going to talk about a few things from, this is the, this is the um, about the, sin, the sinful woman. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have a dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from the city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her, eye, her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped, them, she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to him, if this man were a prophet, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. I love that. Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he, Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. I'm sure this Pharisee was probably thinking, oh, he's going he's gonna to think I'm so amazing because I invited him for dinner. Um, he said, go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 pieces of silver to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave, he finally forgave, forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one from whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and, and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off of my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you her sins. They are many, 
have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who, who is forgiven little only shows little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to this woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. When I think of a drastic lifestyle change, she went from being what most people believe to be a prostitute to a woman that was at Jesus's feet in the middle of a, a meal with the Pharisees. That's a drastic lifestyle change. I just want to go through a few things that she, um, a, a few things that she, she did here. First of all, it was a meal with the Pharisees. It didn't say she was invited to the meal. Let me back up for a second. You know, most women, she probably, she may not have been a prostitute by choice. Many times in that culture, in that culture, in that time frame, if somebody in your family did something wrong, did something that was not okay and bad, they went to jail, they would send family members to the brothels to pay, to pay out their debt and to help uh, take care of the family. That's really how things happen. Many times, young girls were sold into prostitution, sex trafficking, even way back then. Um, and so she may not have even chosen to be a prostitute or this immoral woman. And yet, here she is. This is who she is. And she she finds out that Jesus is going to have a meal and she has, I'm sure she's been following him. And she, she, I feel like she just probably slung that door open and said, I'm going in. I don't care if I'm rejected. And the, you know, it, it says that I believe that there was probably all kinds of thoughts and insults and everything hurled at her, but she didn't care. She was relentless in her pursuit. She went right to Jesus. She didn't care what everybody was saying around her. And she knelt down at his feet she knelt down at his feet. It was a posture of worship. It was a posture of awe and wonder towards him. It was a posture of humility. I think we might miss that today. I'm not saying you have to bow down. That's something that's in your heart that needs to be released. These are things that I believe that if we want heaven to come, we've got to have a drastic lifestyle change. She bowed down at his feet. And it, said he, and, and, and it even says she was behind him. And if he was sitting right here, she, she had to have, she had to, it said she her tears washed his feet. You know, it said she also had the costly oil with her. But, you know, she didn't use the costly oil that had either been purchased for her or she had purchased. She used, she worshiped and made this offering to him out of the depth of who she was. The depth of her pain, the depth of her, depth of her brokenness, her awe of God, her love for him, she poured out this extravagant offering that came from deep within her, something that only she could produce herself. That's real worship. Maybe I'm talking metaphorically to you, but your real worship has to come from in here. It's not words on the screen. It's not what you've bought at the store. It's what's from produced from deep within. There's tears you know, your eyes produce tears when something gets in them or they naturally produce tears to wash something out. Or there's tears that come from real emotion and that there was extreme emotion. And I believe it was extreme gratitude that she was pouring out on his feet, extreme love for him. When's the last time we poured out that kind of love and extravagance upon him? Probably been a while, huh? We wonder, I think, uh, Celestina was just even singing. She was like, we come to conferences and we come to church and why isn't anything changing? Because we don't have extravagant devotion. 
We don't have that profound dedication that will pour out everything. We don't, want, we don't, we don't weep before him because we're such in awe and wonder and love of him. I, that's one of my prayers for this morning, that there be, that, th- that Holy Spirit would, you'd be able to just open up and let him come deep. There'd be a reality, a real revelation and reality of how the love of the Father, the great things that he's done for us. Though her sins were many, though her sins were many, she was washed white as snow. So she doesn't just, she pours out these tears upon him and then she takes her hair down and she wipes his feet with her hair. Feet washing, it's something that, I've only seen it at your wedding. I haven't seen it anywhere else. It's a picture of humility. It, feet washing is really, back in those days, it was, they walked around in sandals and their feet were dirty and they would, um, th- it, was, it was customary to offer somebody to have their feet washed by a slave, by the lowliest of slaves, by the lowliest of servants. When they, when they came in, it was customary to have that kind of, have that kind of thing offered to them. And yet here she was. She was just washing his feet with her tears and wiping them with her hair. Again, another place for ridicule. Women weren't supposed to allow their hair to be uncovered. Again, it was such extravagant devotion. She, she said, Lord, nothing. I am gonna, I'm going to serve my beloved. I'm going to pour out love upon him. I'm going to give him extravagant devotion. Then she pours out the costly oil. You know, we can read from other, other um, places in Scripture that they believe that that was worth a year's wages, the costly oil. His average American income per year is $40,000. Get that picture in your mind. She's pouring out $40,000. That's how extravagant her worship was. You want to change? We want to have heaven come to earth? We've got to be in love with Jesus. We've got, we can't just say it with our mouth. We can't just talk about it. We can't just sing a nice little song and have fun gatherings where we jump up and down and that's all great. It all starts in the secret place. I can tell you, it all starts on your knees. It all starts with our devotion and extravagance and our love towards him. Let me see where I am. Then she, she didn't stop kissing his feet. So she didn't stop. She just kept kissing his feet, kissing his feet. Kissing is a sign of affection. It's, and in that, in that culture, it was very customary. And to give it, when, when you entered in, it was very customary to give a kiss on each cheek. And that was kind of your welcoming. You're my brother. That's what that meant. You're my brother. But she was saying devoted bridegroom. That's what she was saying when she was kissing his feet. Let me tell you one more thing about the costly oil. That costly oil, most young women, most women would have their dowry, a bottle of this costly oil. And what it was for was for their wedding night. And they would anoint their husband's feet. That was a Jewish culture to anoint their husband's feet. I'm sorry, honey, I didn't do that for you. Um, Anyway, anoint, that's because of that house, you know. Anyway, but (laughs) it was nice after we got done. But anyway, she pour out this costly oil on his feet. And it was really symbolic of saying, he's my bridegroom. He's my beloved. Um, if you, Ruth and Boaz, kind of a picture of when she went and laid at his feet that night at the threshing floor, 
They didn't say it in there, but it's really believed that she poured oil on his feet, symbolic of saying, I am yours. What she was really saying, what this sinful woman was saying is, I am yours. I've just poured out, I've poured out what is supposed to be for my husband upon you. And it wasn't anything sexual. It wasn't anything, hey, I want to marry you. It was, I am, I'm wholeheartedly devoted to you. I am yours. I'm in love with you. The next um, part of this is the Pharisee in his own mind, he began thinking, if only Jesus knew this guy must not really be a prophet. If only Jesus knew, let me tell you, he knew better than the rest of us knew. You know, it says that he knew that this man's thoughts. When I read something like that, I think about the, the scripture in the Bible says that talks about how Jesus says, and you'll have greater gifts. You're going to do greater works and miracles. I believe that we can have that gift of I actually, I know that we can because I operate in that. But knowing the thoughts and things, it's, it's really part of discerning of spirits. It's not one of the gifts we're going to talk about today. But it's really part of the discerning of spirits. Jesus knew what this man was thinking. And, you know, he could have probably really rebuked him. But he lovingly, he lovingly shared the parable, as he always does, about how much these men were forgiven. And then... Um, and then, and then he goes back to look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off of my feet. This is a Pharisee. He's a religious leader. He knows the law. He knows the custom. And he didn't even offer this to Jesus. But yet this, this sinful woman did. This sinful woman did. She recognized, she recognized her, her shame. She recognized that. But she recognized the awe, the beauty, the wonder of Jesus. Um, let me see. And at the very end, he says, I tell you, your sins, they are many. They have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but the person who has forgiven little only shows, only shows the little love. There's another translation that says he's, he who forgives, who he has forgiven much loves much. And, you know, I think We've been forgiven so much. You know, we may not have been, we may not have been a prostitute or something like that, but there's all of those sins that are inside. The kind that's like, I don't like that person. I'm going to judge that person. You know, our sins are many and we're forgiven much and we should love much. I look at this and, and back to what Celestina had said at the beginning you know, or when she was singing and just really looking for that lifestyle change. If we want heaven to come to earth, if we want a different response to, if we want a different response to what we've always been living, we've got to live differently. Just like when I was in Turkey, again, the culture wasn't going to change for me. Heaven culture is not going to change for me. I have to change to meet it. Amen. One of the things I, I feel like the, the words of the, um, the new wine song is so profound. Um, and I think it fits this sinful woman when I read it. I'm going to read the words to it. Uh, and, and I believe that this is, even for us, this is that kind of preparation that really comes from intimacy. Intimacy of knowing him in the secret place, loving him in the secret place. You know, we can't come here and have a move of God if we're not loving him and pouring out love and adoration on him in the secret place. Let me read these words. I don't, I don't even know if they, I didn't ask him to have these, but I know we're going to sing that. It was on the schedule to sing today. In the crushing, 
in the pressing, you're making new wine. I would say that that sinful woman had been through some crushing. She had been through some brokenheartedness. She'd been through some pain in her life. She'd probably been through a lot of rejection and misunderstood. I can't even imagine what kind of insults had been hurled at her. In the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. I believe the Lord made new wine out of her. In the soil, I now surrender. You're breaking new ground. So I yield to you and to your careful hand. When I trust you, I don't need to understand. I believe when the Lord spoke to her and told her what she needed to do, she, she didn't need to understand. She just obeyed and went directly and poured out upon Jesus. Make me a vessel. Make me an offering. Her tears were probably the greatest offering that she poured out on him that day. She poured out tears upon him, something that came from her intrinsically to her. There, there was no one else could make that same offering to Jesus. No one else could have said, hey, I, can I use your tears to pour them out here? She, she produced something for him. Make me a vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. I came here with nothing, but all you have given me. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. It goes back to in the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. And the soil I now surrender, you're breaking new ground. You're breaking new ground. Where there is new wine, there is new power. There is new freedom. The kingdom is here. I lay down my old flame to carry your new fire today. I believe that, that again, it's just a picture. Wow, you guys are good. Um, anyway, I believe that this is a picture of what, what God is saying. This woman that she, she was crushed and she was pressed. But she says, God, I'm positioning myself for the new wine. The wedding at Cana, John chapter 2. I've talked about it too many times lately, and you guys probably could all fill in the blank. Feeling, I'm feeling very passionate about this right now. The, the big water pots that Jesus asked the, the men to go fill to... To, to fill with water. He turned the water into wine. He says, go and fill these, fill these up. I had this vision of those six water pots in heaven waiting to be poured out. And I could see him shaking. We had that prophetic round table yesterday and they were talking about shaking coming. You know, maybe that shaking is the pressing and it's the crushing. Maybe it's not an easy shaking, but there's that new wine that's being ready to be poured out. If we want kingdom of heaven lifestyle. If we want heaven come lifestyle, if we want to see the miraculous come to earth, we've got to position ourselves as, the, as this sinful woman did. We've got to position ourselves to, to be carriers of new wine. He's going to pour it out somewhere. I'd really like it to be here. I'd really like you guys to come along with me to be a part of that. I really want to position. You know, what? if God's pouring out somewhere else, I'm going to go there. I'm not a conference hopper, but I, you know what? I'm, I'm desperate. I'm, I'm, I'm about as desperate as this woman is for a move of God. And when I say a move of God, I'm not just talking about, hey, let's have this big happy service and go home. I'm talking about where every part of our society is changed, where we put Morris Jackson out of business because there's nobody in jail anymore. Amen. Where the police can really have donuts and coffee. Where the strip clubs are shut down. Marlo, you won't have a ministry anymore. That's what happens when a move of God comes. You ever read history of revival? All kinds of histories of revival? 
It shut down all of the sin that's in the camp. It does. It's not just something inside the four walls. It, it permeates the entire region. That's what I'm looking for. God is wanting to position a church. He's wanting to position his bride. I believe he's preparing us, positioning us, and he's ready to pour out on us. He's just waiting for someone to be ready. He's waiting for someone to say, I'm so desperate. I am so desperate for you. I'm going to lay at your feet and weep at your feet right in front of anybody. In case, even if it makes me look like a fool. I'm willing to be ridiculed. I'm willing to pour out everything that I have. I'm willing to give my, my, my life, my, my most valuable thing to you because I'm so in love with you. Where's that passion today? Where's that passion today? That's, that's my call to you today. Let's dig deep and find out, do I have that kind of passion? Do I want that kind of passion? And I believe that if there's people, I believe, I believe it snowed for a reason. I believe that there's only a few here. We don't have the 400 here this morning because God's looking for a remnant. Look around. This is a remnant this morning. The Lord spoke to me this morning. I was like, oh, maybe I made a wrong call this morning. The Lord said, no, I'm looking for a remnant. I'm looking for a remnant that'll pursue me. I'm looking for a remnant that's hungry for my presence. I'm looking for a remnant that's desperate for the things of me. I'm looking for a remnant that's tired of seeing people die of cancer. I'm looking for a remnant that wants to see the blind eyes open, the dead raised. I'm looking for a remnant that will pursue me wholeheartedly. Let's just respond to the Lord this morning. That's all I have for you this morning. I feel like the next step is just to respond to him. It's time. It's time for you to respond to him. We can just turn this into a prayer meeting now. This is what I do best. Oh, it's already 1041. How did that happen? You can come. Why don't you just come on up here? I don't want to be up here by myself. Let's just, let's make ourselves a vessel. Could we make ourselves an offering this morning to him? We just have a few minutes and then we'll be dismissed to the, to the breakout sessions and they're going to be amazing. Make us a vessel. Make us offering before you this morning, Lord. Make us an offering for you this morning, oh God. Whether that offering is tears or whether that offering is joy, whether that offering is your whole soul, whether that offering is your whole life, Make us a vessel. Make us an offering this morning, oh God. Holy Spirit, come. In the Saturate us this morning. In the pressing. You are making new wine. In the soil.
every way that you thought you should live as a believer I had to lay down I had to lay down my life when I went after my bridegroom to Turkey it's time to lay down that whole life for the new fire today it's time to lay down for the new fire today he's calling us to something new he's calling us to something new the new thing it's the new wine it's the fresh oil Holy Spirit, would you download instruction to them today? Holy Spirit, would you give them what it would look like for them to lay down old flames for the new fire today? What it would look like to be that sinful woman and going after the feet of Jesus? What does that look like? It's going to look different for each one of us. But he's calling for holy pursuit. Holy pursuit. Not the same old thing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, come. 
Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Change us. Rearrange us. Saturate us. Wreck us. sessions today just because you walk out of this environment this this room you carry the new fire you carry the new fire carry it to the breakout session this morning carry it to lunch carry it to the afternoon session 
carry it to Starbucks if you go there this afternoon. New fire, oh God. I declare new fire over everyone here. I declare new devotion over everyone here. I declare your new devotion, your new wine. I declare a new hunger and a new pursuit of you over each one here this morning. I declare we will see revival here in the in the city of Omaha. And, and I'd like it right here, but I'm not, I won't be, I don't want to touch anything. God, I pray a group of fiery firebrands, hungry people, hungry for your presence. Mark them with your presence this morning, Lord. Mark them with your presence this morning, oh God. Live marked by his presence. Live in such a way that you're marked by his presence. God, I thank you. Amen. Amen. Sorry for the hard stop, but it's okay. Because you know what? You don't, you care. We're carriers of him. We're carriers of his presence. We're carriers of him.